We're in a season, I'm a pastor shared it last week, where he was talking about hell last week. He was talking about the spirits. He was talking about the spirit of this world. He was talking about how that it's real, that it's there. It's not something that we should take lightly. And, you know, you know, and for whatever reason, it really hit home with me because um, I, remember, I remember being a young Christian when I first got saved. And I remember um, when I got saved, um, Halloween was a big deal to me. I remember before, before I got saved, that at my house, believe it or not, my neighborhood, we used, to have a, we used to have a haunted house at my house, in my cellar. I used to set up my cellar. We used to put walls in my cellar out of sheets, and we used to put posts, like, and we would have people go through, and we would have a haunted house in my cellar. I'll never forget the young kid next door. He would, um, he would get his chainsaw, and he would get on top of the I have a bulkhead, and people, when they exited, he would be on top of the bulkhead with a chainsaw. And he would jump off. He would start, you know, there was no chain on it, but he would start that chainsaw. And let me tell you something right now. That spirit that, w- that was there was not good. Because that spirit affected me, affected my children, it affected my household. I remember it. I remember my daughter, especially, she was the youngest. And I, I remember how, how, how afraid she was. How she, she, she couldn't, she, you know, she, as growing up, that she was damaged because of this. She was damaged because of this. She had the fear. She, she was afraid of clowns. She was afraid of so many things. And the reason why she was afraid was because the spirit of this world had brought her, upon her fear. I remember growing up before I got saved and, and watching movies. And watching movies that were not good, that were dark. And, and I remember my kids when they were young, watching movies that were dark before I got saved. And I remember the dark music I used to listen to, which was aggressive. It was, it was, um, it always wanted to break, the music I listened to wanted to break something all the time. It always wanted to break somebody, something, I wanted, wanted to hurt somebody. It was full of anger and rage and hurt is what it was filled with. This is where I come from. I come from this dark realm that was there, that's in the world. I came from there, and many of us also came from there. We were affected by this. But I had to repent because my children, I brought my children up in this. Then all of a sudden I get saved, and it's like, what do I do now? These kids, they want to go trick-or-treating. What do I do? What do I do? And you know... I had to repent because even as a Christian, for, for my, when I first got saved for a few years, my kids still went trick-or-treating. I, we still brought them. I, I, I didn't stand up. I was young, but I didn't stand up. I didn't speak out. I didn't stand against. I allowed it. I allowed it in my home. I allowed it to affect my children. I allowed it to affect my life. You know, I had to repent. But praise the Lord... That I've been freed from that. I've been freed from that darkness that I lived in. I don't listen to dark music anymore. Even as a Christian, I used to still always go back to that dark music. Always go back to that music that, that I grew up with. It was like, a, when I hear it, it does something in me. It rises a spirit in me. And when I first got there, I didn't realize the spirit that was getting risen in me was dark. And it, was from the, it wasn't from God. And then afterwards, then I would wonder why I was so snappy and at times angry and kind of aggressive and assertive. But now I know. Today I know. I didn't know then. You know, 
And I had to stand up against the, thing, the spirit of this world. I had to stand up against the spirit of this world. And not, don't get me wrong. It takes a lot to stand against the things of this world. Because your kids go to school, don't they? And, they, and, and they're influenced by so many things. Us, and, and us as parents have to stand against that. And we have to speak up against it. And we have to stand for what is right and what is just. I don't take it lightly today. And it's like, Pastor, I do not take Halloween lightly. But I also don't fear it either. I am not afraid of the spirit of this world. Because the spirit in me is greater than the spirit that's in this world. And we were singing that this morning. How the spirit, we were singing about that this morning. How what's inside of us is greater. There's nothing that can come against us. Nothing can come against us. And let me tell you right now, my notes, everything I just spoke is not even on my notes. <laughs> that came through worship. That came through worship. That's what God put on my heart today. But I fell short, and I was deceived myself, and my family was deceived by the spirit of this world. We were deceived. We didn't take it very seriously. And I think it's true today. There's a lot of Christians that don't take the spirit realm seriously. They don't realize that when we entertain, who we entertain is important. We cannot be entertaining spirits into our homes and inviting them in. And we do. Christians do. They invite, they, 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 they allow things in their life that affect their life. And we need to realize how important it is that we, that, that we see things the right way. That we see things the right way. And you know what? Some of us might be there now, but that's okay. Because if we follow him and we get into his word and we start, begin, you know what? He'll take care of that. It's not something where I had to stop. It was something that I had to just get, get right with him. When I got right with him, he took care of it. Things, it, just, it didn't become important anymore. I, I got to see things for what they really were, and I didn't want them. It wasn't that I had to force myself to stop. I didn't want them. I didn't want that spirit. I didn't want that music. I didn't want those things. I didn't want fear in my life. I didn't want my kids to be afraid. I don't watch... The other day I turned up and I, I, and I went to a movie. And the movie, I remembered the movie. And I saw it and I said, I, right away I was like, I can't, I, no way. I don't want nothing to do with this. I want nothing because this is not of, of him. This is not of him. You know, you know, and the hardest part was when I knew that I was, what I was doing was wrong. At first I might not have known what I was doing. But it's when you know you do, what you're doing is wrong. When you, when, you, when you know that, that, that this spirit of this world is polluting your family, when you know it's happening, and all of a sudden, then you have to, then you need to, then you need to, our spirit needs to rise up. The spirit of God needs to rise up against, inside of us, against that spirit of this world. It needs to rise up. It needs to stand up, and it needs to go against that spirit. We need to fight against it. So it's important that we see spirits for what they really are. That we distinguish spirits for what they really are. That we recognize them for what they really are. Because understand, one thing, one thing is, you know, and it's just, it's a spirit, but it's also our view, the way we see things. I know that before I got saved, I saw things a certain way. I had a certain worldview. But once I got saved, guess what happened? My worldview totally changed, did it not? 
My view of things totally changed, did it not? All of a sudden, I seen things differently. I seen, I, I seen life in general differently. Everything about life differently. You know? Everything about me changed. Everything. Everything about... And it wasn't because I changed it. It's because He did. And what, I, didn't, I didn't have to do anything. All I had to do was take, take His Word and take His Spirit and take Him and, and, and grab onto that. And you know what? It changed. Because it had to change. Because his, the spirit of this world and his spirit cannot be together. It had to change. And it did. It had to change. So my decisions changed. My mind changed. That the way I've seen things changed. My viewpoint changed. See, Colossians 2.8 says, see, it, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. And it's true. We cannot let other things take, our, take us captive. We need to captivate our, our thoughts and our mind and bring it under submission to who? Christ. We need to bring it in submission to Christ. It's so important that we do that. No matter what it is, we need to take it captive. Because if we don't, let me tell you, it will take you captive. It will take you captive. And it did for me for many years. It took me captive. It, it, it controlled me. It controlled the way my actions, my beliefs. It controlled even my, my witness. Because how can I witness, be doing this, and I'm a witness? I'm out there celebrating a dark holiday, celebrating... Satan himself. But I'm going to be a witness? But I'm going to be a witness? It's hard to witness when, when, we, when we get polluted. Which leads me to the title of my message. Where is your view? How do you see things? Where is your view? My scripture for today is uh, 1 John 4, 1-6. through 6. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one in, who, who is in, in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and, they are, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Now the, the letter of 1 John was written by the Apostle John, who was a fisher, one of the fishermen, around A.D. 90. 
And he was most likely in Ephesus when he wrote it. But he, he wrote the letter and he sent it to the province, providence of Asia for the church. It was for the church. It was for believers. It was not for non-believers. This is for believers. This is for those who were serving Christ. The book was written to warn Christians against dangerous false teachings. Called uh, A group called the Gnostics, which denied the deity of Christ. They denied that Christ was who he said he was. He also wrote the letter to encourage Christians to continue loving each other and following his commands. Why? Because if we do that, guess what? People will see that we are children of God. That is our witness. That is our witness. When people see us loving each other and following his commands and doing what his word says, you know what? They will know we are from God because our fruit will show it. It will show. So I want to break this scripture down a little bit and I want to look at um, verse 1 first. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Which leads me to my first point. Is that we must test the spirits. We have to test them. We have to test them. We have to make sure that they line up with the word. We have to make sure they line up with the word. Because if they don't, guess what? We know it is not from him. It's very important that we recognize this and that we realize that, the, 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 that this is true. Just because someone says they believe in Jesus does not mean that they are a Christian or believe what we believe. Even demons believe in Jesus. Even the wickeds believe in Jesus. Muslims believe in Jesus. But what do they believe? That's the question. What do they believe? And that's what it comes down to is that, because anybody can say, oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe he was here. Yeah, I believe he was, a, you know, they can say many things, but are they going to say what we say? Are they going to say what we say? That's the question. Are they going to call him who he really is? The son of God, the one who came on, who came from heaven to earth for us. And was born of a virgin. Very important. Was born of a virgin. Was not born of a sinless man. Was born of a virgin. She was impregnated by what? The Holy Spirit. Not by anything of this world. It came from heaven. He died. He actually died. Actually died and was dead for three days and rose again. This is what we need. This is important. That This is what we're talking about. Because many people will believe in Jesus. They say they do. But do they believe these things? Do they believe he rose from the dead? Do they believe he's with the Father and interceding for us? Do they believe that? You know, my da- my da- I had my daughter's wedding last Saturday. And I shared a message. There, and, the Lord, and, and funny, you know, the Holy Spirit gave me the message. I mean, I had a message, but, but then afterwards, the Holy Spirit spoke certain parts of it because he wanted me to plant seeds. Because there was many non-believers here. He wanted me to plant seeds. So afterwards, it gave me the opportunity at the reception to speak, speak Christ into many lives. And there was one gentleman who came up to me. And he, and he, and he, he was very impressed with my, with, with, with my speaking, he says. Okay, I says, um, 
He says, I'm, so, he, so right away, he's like, oh, you do a good job. I says, well, the Holy Spirit did it. So all of us, right, right there when I said that, he says, oh, you don't take any credit for it. He says, no, I give him credit for it. So I said, do you believe in Jesus? Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus, he says. I believe Jesus was the Son of God. That's what he says. But then he says, I also believe I'm the Son of God. So right away, I went, whoa, okay. Then he says, oh, I'm a Wicca. Okay, so he's a Wicca. He's a Wicca. This guy, believe, this guy believes in every... This guy just does whatever he wants to do is what it came down to. After having a conversation with this guy, he does whatever he wants. And we got into it, and he knew some of the word. He grew up in a Baptist church his whole life. And then he got hurt. What happened was he got hurt in the back. I, the more I dug in, the more I found. But you know what? He asked me questions, and he says to me, he says, um, so do you believe I'm going to hell? I says, well, you tell me. I says, you know the answer to that. You know, the, you know the way to heaven. You tell me. I'm not the one to judge you. The word of God will judge you, not me. God will judge you, not I. And, and the more I did talk to him, the more I saw what he was trying to do. But it didn't mean anything to me. I felt totally like, like he had no power. He had no power. He had nothing. And, he, and everything he said, I handled, I thought, and it, it, well, I should say this, the Holy Spirit handled in love. At the end of the night, he loved me, I loved him, but I, but I, but, but I rebuke everything he said. I don't have to believe what he said, it doesn't matter, because he even got into the uh, um, aspect of homosexuality. He says, well, well, look what the church thinks of homosexuals. I said, what are you talking about? He says, look what God does to homosexuals. I said, what do you mean? What does he do? He offers them salvation, does he not? What are you talking about? He says, well, in the Bible, it separates them. I says, no, it doesn't. I says, when you look in the Bible, you see homosexual, you see fornicator, you see adulterer, you see a list of sins. And, you, and I don't see them any different. We're all sinners. They're sinners. They need salvation just like, like I do. We all need God. We all need Jesus. Every one of us. And so don't they. We all do. No matter what sin we're in, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And, you know, that, you know, that's what we need. We need to stand on what is right. We need to stand on the truth. We need to speak the truth. We need to put people, we need to speak what is right and let people see there is a right way. There is a proper way. We cannot um, try to say, oh, oh, that, that, no. I spoke truth. I spoke life. He spoke death, I spoke life. That's how I looked at it. Because he was, he was speaking death. Because the more he spoke, the more I realized how. Messed up, messed up his theology really was. So we must not trust and we must test the spirits. And you know, I, I want to look at a, um, a research study done on America, on Americans, and five findings that they found. This was done by the Bonner Group Research in 2015. And it's right here, and it says, First thing they realized was that a vast majority of Americans believe Jesus was a real person. 90% of Americans believe that Jesus was a real person. Then we look at the second thing they realized, that the younger generations, which is the millennials especially, are increasingly less likely to believe Jesus was God. Under 50% of them believe that Jesus is God. So they believe in Jesus, but under, like it says, under 50, especially the millennials, believe he was God. 
The third thing they realize is that Americans are divided on whether Jesus was sinless. Over 50% think he was not. Over 50% think he was not sinless, that he was not a sinless man. Most Americans in this survey, number four, most Americans in this survey have said they have made a commitment to Jesus Christ. So the majority said they were committed to Jesus Christ, but they, but they don't believe, the majority of them don't believe they're sinless. Most of the younger ones don't believe that, that he's the Son of God. And the last point was that people are conflicted between Jesus or good deeds as the way to heaven. This is what we're dealing with today. We deal with a very weak and watered down Christianity. Not here. You come here, you're going to hear the word of God. You come here. But understand, when we leave here, what we're dealing with out there is this. We are dealing with a lot of people who, who say Jesus, but don't really know Jesus. We are dealing with a lot of people who say it, but don't really know him. You've got a lot of people, in, even in churches, that don't really know him. Don't know that he was sinless. Don't know he was the son of God. Don't believe that he was born of a virgin. They don't believe it. And especially with the younger generation, the more the surveys you looked at, and the more they saw, is that the millennials have less faith than anybody else. And they're the next to take over, the millennials. And, shame, and you know, I don't blame them. I blame us. I blame the church. I, I, I blame myself to a point. I blame myself. Today I am, I am representing Christ. Praise the Lord. But I, I, I see those who don't take it seriously and what they're representing. Are they really representing Christ? This, why, this is why it's so important that we test the spirits. We test the spirits. And we must really get to know what people really believe. So they'll, you know what? We might have to, dis, dis, we might just have to share something in their life that they didn't know, that, and it might change what they believe. And all of a sudden, guess what? Guess what? They, 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 they will realize that they had the wrong spirit, and then they can accept a new spirit and the, and the right spirit. It's important that we share it. We important that we dig in, that we dig in and get to know what re- people really believe. Because if you look at verses two and three. In this scripture, 1 John 4, 2 and 3, it says, This is how you recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. So you know what? They have to see Christ for what he is. Not, not just a man. He was a man and he was God. He was both. He was both. He was both. He was fully man, fully God. And these are the things we have to really get into. We need to ask questions. What do they really believe? What do they really know? That's another question. We need to, what do they really know? Because sometimes we think, oh, Oh, it's a brother in Christ, or it's a sister in Christ, and you know. But do we really know what they know or what they believe? Uh, you know, 
My wife had shared there was a, um, a girl that used to come here to our youth group, and she used to go to church somewhere in Haverhill. And um, my wife had met up with her um, in, in a grocery store somewhere, and all of a sudden she went to hug her, and she said she felt the spirit off of her. She felt the spirit. She felt the spirit that was not good. She said she's just not right. Something's wrong. She felt it. She knew something was wrong. And come to find out not too much later, it was all of a sudden we, we, um, we heard her speak something and it was not, <laughs> let me tell you right now, definitely not from God. And she believes that she's a Christian. She believes that she's all set. She believes she's going, but the spirit in her is not from God. So it's up to us to confront that spirit. It's, you know, maybe, maybe to bring her back. Because obviously she's going down the wrong road. But we need to confront that spirit. You know, confront it. And, if she, and, you know, and she can either take it or reject it. One or the other. But I, you know what? We need to reject that spirit. That's for sure. Not to reject the person, but the spirit that comes with it. Absolutely, we need to reject that spirit. Do they want to know the truth? That's the question. Do they really want to know? Because some people don't want to know the truth. This gentleman I was speaking to at the reception, he didn't want to know the truth. Because he knew the truth. But he knew if he, that he followed the truth, he wouldn't be able to live the way he was living. And he wanted to do whatever he wanted to do. So, you know, I, I, after that I just walked away. At the end of the night, though, he said goodnight to me, came over, gave me a hug and everything. But, uh, you know, but, but I knew, hey, he doesn't accept the truth. And there's nothing I can do. I planted a seed, that's all I can do. I can't, we can't, we can't, he needs to accept it or deny it. One or the other. He has the choice. I am finding that they, they either don't want to believe the truth, have never been properly taught the truth, or believe only in a portion of the truth for various reasons. People have agendas. People have agendas on what they believe. What's our agenda? Our agenda is to serve Him, right? Our agenda is to love Him. Our agenda is to exalt Him. But many other people have different agendas. And that's why they take what they take and they leave behind what they don't want because they have an agenda. Because it, it doesn't serve them. And that's what we need to watch out for. We live in a very deceiving generation today. And the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. And is deceiving many. He's deceiving many. Even some who consider themselves believers. Matthew 7, 15-20 says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. So we should be able to distinguish by their fruit, by what we see in their lives, by what they, even by what they say, or what they believe, but also by what we see, their actions, what they do, how they respond, how they react to certain things. We will know. You will see their fruit. And what does it say? Obviously they can't have both spirits, correct? They only got one spirit, don't they? Is it the spirit of Christ or is it not? But this is what we are dealing with today. This is what we are dealing with. 
Some other um, scripture references is 1 John 2, 22 and 23. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus, that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. And 2 John 7 says, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Against Christ. This gentleman is against, this gentleman I was speaking to was against Christ. He would not give Christ his, his, his due credit as being the deity. He would not give it to him. He did everything he could to deny him of being who he was. So he is the spirit, he comes with the spirit of the Antichrist. He come off with uh, acting like he was all nice and friendly, but the truth, he was a wolf. Deceiving many people. I pray for him. I do. I pray that he's, because he, you know, he learned something. I know he did. When the word was presented to him as a young man. I pray that he goes back to it. But you know what is encouraging? Which is in verse 4. And leads me to my second point. We have already overcome them. We have already overcome the spirits of this world, haven't we not? Because the spirit in us is greater than the spirit in this world. It says in verse 4, You, dear children, are from God. We are from God. And have overcome them because of Him. Not because of anything we did. It's because of what He did. We have overcome these spirits. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We should not fear these spirits. We should not fear them. We should put them right where they belong. Under our foot. We should take authority over them. We should let, put, them in, put them in their place, just like Jesus would do. He puts them in place. We have the authority over these spirits, and we should not be bothered by them. We should just continue speaking and living out the true spirit, and know because of what Jesus has done, we have victory. We already have victory over these spirits. We already have victory over death. We already have victory of the spirit of this world. We have it. We don't live in this world. We don't live with the spirit of this world. We live with the spirit of him, and we live in his kingdom on heaven on earth. We should not fear the spirit of the world. If we have his spirit, because of the spirit is greater in us, we should continue to feed it and walk in that spirit, which is the spirit that he gives us. Romans 8, 31 through 39 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That was one of the songs we were singing. That was in the song that we were singing this morning. So when I seen that, I'm like, praise the Lord. God, God knows what he wants to say today. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. No one can condemn us. Jesus Christ, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us right now. So when, we, when we're, we're confronted with, guess what, with a different spirit, guess what? He's with us, isn't he not? He's interceding for us. He's with the Father. We, we have heavenly power, do we not? We have heavenly power over this spirit. 
Praise the Lord. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future are any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that it... That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. Only one that can separate us is us. When we make a choice, that's the only way we can be separated from the love of God if we make the choice to go away from it. Because nothing, no spirit of this world can take it, because the spirit we have is greater. And my third point is, who do we listen to? Who do we listen to? Verses 5 and 6. 1 John 4, verses 5 and 6 says, They are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. But whoever... This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So what is your view? What do you believe? This led me to uh, look into my worldview. What a Christian worldview should be. Now a worldview is the framework from which we view reality and make sense of life in the world. What is our view of of what makes everything work? It It is a set of beliefs about fundamental aspects of reality that ground and influence all our perceiving, our thinking, our knowing, and our doing. So what we believe, our viewpoint, our worldview, has to do with what we perceive, what we think, what we know, and what we do. So I want you to think about how important this viewpoint really is. Because it's going to show in everything. It's going to show in our life. Now what type of viewpoint should we have? Praise the Lord that when I got saved and I'm being brought up in this church, that I was always taught to have a biblical viewpoint. A viewpoint based upon the Bible. A viewpoint based upon God's Word. So important that we realize that the Word of God is a living, it's living, it's alive. We need to put it to work. We need to take it, get it inside of us, and and live our lives according to what it tells us to live. Now, if you have a biblical viewpoint, it would say that our primary existence is to love and serve God. That's why we're here. To love and serve God. We are here to love and serve God. Whether conscious or subconscious, every person has a type of viewpoint. Every person does. So let's look at a biblical viewpoint a little deeper. It is based on the infallible word of God. We must believe that the Bible is entirely true. 
people have a problem with that. This is another discussion you will get with people that, oh no, that was written by men. They always look to find falsehood in it, in the Bible. But the truth of the matter is that we believe that it is the infallible word of God. That's what we believe. It's entirely true and allow it to be the foundation of everything we say and do. The Bible has to become our foundation. He, Jesus is our foundation. He has to become everything. Now, I want to look at another survey. And this was a survey that was taken with Christians in churches. And uh, it was done by Focus on the Family. And um, they used the same group. The Bonner group was, was the same research group that did it. And it said, um, do you have a biblical view? And these were the qu- eight questions that they asked. Do absolute moral truth exist? That was the first question. Is absolute truth defined by the Bible? Did Jesus live a sinless life? Is God the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe? And does he still rule today? Is salvation a gift from God that can't be earned? Is Satan real? Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? And is the Bible accurate in all of its teaching? So, we look at these questions, and for me, I don't even question it. For me, I don't question it. I mean, this this is what I've been taught. This is what I've been discipled. This is what I've been brought up in. Nine percent of born-again believers answered yes to all these questions. Nine percent. 9% 9% answered yes to all these questions. So what are they questioning? This is the reality of what we're dealing with today. It's not, it's, this is not a fallacy. This is real. People really don't know. Oh, they don't want, like I said, they don't know. They don't want to know. Uh, they choose, you know, choose to do what they want to do. 9%. That's born-again Christians, ones who claim to be born again. 9% said yes to all these questions. I didn't get down too much in the breakdown of every question, which ones they didn't answer. I didn't get that far. Maybe I should, because I'd like to know which ones they're saying no to. I'd like to see. Maybe they're not understanding the question. I don't know. But the problem is, that we see in this world today, is that we are all bombarded... We are all bombarded by the world's ideas and point of view, are we not? We are bombarded with what the world says, are we not? Every day. We see it through films, through the media, through music, through newspapers, through magazines, through books, through academia. That's what they teach in schools. This is what we're dealing with. Everywhere, everything that goes against us Boom. Attacks us all the time. Why? Well, because we live in a selfish world, do we not? A world that is, um, is focused on worldly ideas. And these worldly ideas and these worldly things, I hate to say, seductively appeal to the desires of our flesh at times, do they not? They try, do they not? They do. They do. We often end up incorporating some of these things into our own personal view. 
But we must be different. We must be different. Us as Christians have to be different. Our view must be different than the majority of, or we will lose our witness. It will become confusing. It will become misleading. Our witness will become confusing and misleading. We must stand up. Most of us go through life not realizing that our worldview has been deeply affected by the world. And we need to realize it. We need to wake up. And we, we need to stand up. We need to stand up for what is right. We need to stand up for biblical views. So we must diligently be learning. We must always be learning. Applying and trusting God's word, his truth, in every area of our life. We must be trusting his word. We must, we must get to know his word. If we don't understand something, we must find out and dig in. Let the Holy Spirit come alive in you and show you. He will. He will guide you. Not just the church, not just here, but whether watching a movie, communicating with your spouse, raising your children, at work, everywhere, we must be standing for what is right and what, is, what the Word says. We can and must develop a deep, comprehensive faith that will stand against the unrelenting tide of the culture of today, which has non-biblical views. We have to because the tide is coming and it keeps on pushing. But we have to stand against it. We have to stand against it. We must be the light as we are called to be the light. Wherever we go, we must be the example. We must be the one who sticks out. I'd rather be the one who sticks out. I'd rather be the one who is awkward, doesn't fit into this, doesn't fit in. I'd rather be that one. Well, if we, you know what? If we believe the Bible and we stand in the Bible, we will be that one. We will be that one. The one who goes against the norm and can make a difference. We are chosen by God to make a difference. We are. We are chosen by God to make a difference. So, as we get ready to close out today, I'm going to say, where is your view? How do you view things? What is your, your worldview?